Hello again, welcome to another episode of the Uranium Market Minute. Today is Thursday, June 9th, and this is episode number 137. My name is Justin Hewn. I am your host. I'm the founder and publisher of the Uranium Insider Pro Newsletter, the only investing newsletter that focuses solely on uranium and publishes on a regular monthly basis. As always, nothing that you see or hear in this podcast is intended to be investing advice. I'm not your financial advisor. This is not financial advice. Please always do your own due diligence when it comes to investing and always take responsibility for your own choices. All right, pretty nasty day out there. Seems like the markets are, uh, are pretty jittery leading into Friday, which uh, tomorrow, which we will have uh, CPI numbers come in. Um, hopefully we'll see inflation numbers slightly lower, although we've had uh, continuously rising oil and gas pricing, which underpins the entire economy. So I think the market is pretty unsure about where those CPI numbers will come in tomorrow. Therefore, the uh, jitteriness across markets today, and uh, that was the same case for uranium. And I'm going to talk a bit about um, how I act on days like this or don't act, how I deal with days like this. I'm going to read uh, a short little passage from one of my favorite investing books, The Most Important Thing by Howard Marks, uh, in the mailbag section. So we'll get to that in just a moment. First, let's jump right into the daily scoreboard here. Uh, spot price of uranium currently at 52.12 a pound, up again from yesterday continuing its firming trend. Uh, the spot price is very, very strong here. Very impressed with uh, the trading action that we're seeing in the spot market, relatively low volume, but uh, it seems like the sellers are continuing to raise their ask. That could have to do with uh, just the performance of the spot vehicle, but Sprott is now sitting on a lot of cash. Uh, they're sitting on 110.5 million in cash as of yesterday's close, the second highest cash balance they have ever had since launching that ATM back in August of last year. Uh, they've been raising cash 10 out of the last 11 trading days. They've issued another, uh, yesterday, 351,200 new units, raising $4.5 million in new money yesterday. They did not buy any more uranium yesterday. They closed at a 1.16% discount to their net asset value yesterday. And with the market action today, likely did not raise any more cash They've taken in uh, 104.5 million in new investor capital over the last 11 trading days. SPUT is now back at $3 billion in net asset value. All right, the ETFs, we are seeing no changes in outstanding shares for URA nor for URNM. Let's take a look at the charts. Starting off with URA, pretty nasty day, down 4.72% uh, on relatively low volume pretty much giving up most of the gains that we saw in the reaction to the DOE news of seeking 4.3 billion to support domestic uh, enriched uranium. We saw the sector light up on pretty decent volume, but that trend completely got squashed, volumes disappeared. Those gains have been erased. So now we are back kind of where we were just a few days ago. Either way, not huge volume of selling here. This has a lot of influence coming from the broad market, which was also weak. Speaking of which, why don't we look at how URNM has been performing relative to the S&P um, relatively well since that bottom a few weeks back. And today obviously was not a great day in terms of relative performance. It, uh, it had a negative performance of almost 3% compared to the S&P, which was also down. So uh, we had a, a, some outsized beta here today for these uranium shares, and some of them were down, pushing 10%, which is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but across the sector, relatively weak, and the volatility reigns supreme in this sector in both directions. Cameco also back low volume, 
pulling back four and a quarter percent on the day, really not all that bad. Actually pulling right back to a resistance point we saw last week. Let's see how these things trade tomorrow. In my opinion, they will likely have a lot of influence coming from the broad market, how that reacts to the CPI numbers. But I think that our relative outperformance will continue. And this is the chart I'm talking about with that relative outperformance. Will we see, will we pull back to that previous resistance? Possibly. Will we come back and retest around that trend line? That's also possible. But in the big picture, broad scheme of things, I think we're going to be okay in terms of that outperformance continuing. Let's close off with Sprott Physical Uranium Trust down 3.5% on the day. Volume tapering back down on this pullback as well. So the fact that uranium was up and the trust traded down, uh, like I said, it was unlikely that we were at a 1% premium to, the, to yesterday's closing nav. Um, possibly through the entire day. So I'd be surprised if uh, Sput raised any more cash today. All right, so mailbag section. <clears throat> um, I wanted to add a note in the mailbag section here before I get into talking about volatility and the sector fundamentals and, and read a bit from uh, The Most Important Thing by Howard Marks. I wanted to add uh, an addendum to my commentary yesterday about Germany. So a little bit of follow-up. Yesterday, I announced that Germany's Build uh, uh, magazine newspaper, excuse me, had issued uh, an article talking, you know, pounding the table about nuclear and supporting the last three reactors that are currently up and running in Germany. Now we saw uh, today, Germany's Minister of Finance is endorsing the views of the country's highly reputable Zeit newspaper, then that newspaper as well, advocating for the extension of the lives of the remaining three nuclear reactors in Germany. Now, this is the finance minister of the country of Germany. So we're seeing the, uh, we're seeing continued support growing in Germany. Like I said yesterday, um, with some of these countries that are kind of on the fringe of supporting nuclear, um, like Germany, and California is not a country, but California has similar history in terms of um, phasing out nuclear, the public not supporting nuclear, and that has really, really shifted. Now, California is actually considering keeping Diablo Canyon online, which I've spoken about in the past. And that is looking increasingly likely, which is fantastic. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how this pans out for Germany. Obviously, that would be the correct decision to keep those last three online, all things considered, especially going into a winter, potentially with France's fleet largely impacted by this maintenance outage that has half of their fleet offline currently. Um, so really, really good to see. Okay, so... What I wanted to speak about mainly in the mailbag section was <clears throat> discussing the sector action today. So in a word, I would say it's disappointing, right? We saw a high volume breakout a couple of days ago that was based on some fundamental news. And of course, that's speculative news. That $4.3 billion was simply a request showing that the government wants to support nuclear uh, domestically here in the States with the largest reactor fleet in the world. Um, but that still has to be approved by Congress. And then, you know, everything that the government does is unbelievably inefficient with an exception of taking away your tax money. So uh, not holding my breath on, on this panning out. But of course, you know, maybe the sector yesterday, it seemed like that was a reaction like, okay, that was pretty overheated the day before, a little bit of profit taking. Then we went risk off today across markets with the CPI numbers coming in tomorrow. But yeah, of course, it's disappointing when we see big downdrafts well, while the fundamental news continues to stack, right? 
So uh, as long as the sector, uh, as long as a, as a long time sector watcher, it can be particularly difficult to watch every frame of the motion picture go by and what is metaphorically a three to five year motion picture. Now, admittedly, doing these daily podcasts or almost daily podcasts tends to add to my attention that I pay to the daily movements of these charts when realistically, when it comes to my own investing, my own trading, I'm not actively trading in and out of these stocks on a daily or even weekly basis. Um, generally speaking, I tend to hold for the long term and add on weakness when I can, when I, when I fundamentally believe in this sector and in this thesis. So um, I've realized that while some days can be clearly tied to market moving news, like we saw two days ago with the EOD news, some days are just not able to be explained through the lens of understanding the fundamental picture. That was a day like today. That was multiple days like back in late April, early May. We saw huge downdrafts when the markets went risk off that had no fundamental underpinnings whatsoever when it came to uranium. So the big fundamental picture, it's more bullish today than it has been at any time over the last three to four years. So <clears throat> that's a tough pill to swallow when you look at your profit and loss today, right? But that remarks based on the thousands and thousands of hours of research I put into understanding this sector over the last many years. So it goes to, it, it basically goes to say that the more you understand the fundamentals, the easier it is to just weather the ups and downs and the ups and downs are going to continue to come. Um, if you are a relatively new investor, this is a very difficult market. Generally speaking, when markets are choppy, they're very difficult. Um, this is, this market is very choppy. It's, it's honestly, it's across the broad market. We're in bear market territory for the broad markets, but uh, the day-to-day the -day up and down can just chop you up when you try to actively trade these things. It's better to um, grasp a long-term trend and hang on for the ride, in my opinion. So it's important to recognize that these days grind investor psyche and cause them to question the uranium bullish thesis, of course. Uh, that's what markets do to you. It's oftentimes they play with your emotions, forcing you to make the wrong moves. And that's really what we try to avoid. And that's what we try to influence when it comes to our followers, either on this podcast or um, especially in the newsletter. You know, when we do these two hour, two hour long members webinars, which we're going to do, the next one will be on Tuesday, June 21st. And we have a, a new guest that we have not had on before. I'm really looking forward to this one. But that's two hours of deep discussion on the sector, and we go way into it. And really, I think that it helps a lot to believe in the fundamentals of the sector and to zoom out and to keep a longer-term perspective in your mind. And the confidence in that, uh, in that trend for the long term really goes a long way to weathering volatile days like today. And like we've seen um, this year, we've seen so much volatility this year. It's just been crazy. Um, it's it hasn't been easy, you know, even for me, you know, with a, a deep understanding of the sector. Um, but the long-term fundamentals are unbelievably strong. Okay, so on that note, um, if you have not read this book, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. The most important thing by Howard Marks, one of my favorite investors. This is chapter fifteen. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. Chapter fifteen. The most important thing is having a sense of where we stand. Okay, so so he's talking about in this chapter essentially. It's impossible to predict where a cycle will end up going, how long it will last and where it will top out, et cetera, et cetera. In this market, you can especially put a finer point on that, right? Because we talk all the time about 
um, the fundamental case based on supply and demand fundamentals and the marginal cost of production being now, in my opinion, north of $85, $90 a pound for the products on, on the margins. And so we can say, okay, we're now at, you know, just north of $50 a pound. We're, we basically need to almost double in order to bring those marginal costs, uh, marginal cost projects online out towards the end of the decade. And as we all know, development of mines in general is very difficult. It takes a very, very long time. Uranium mines, even more so for obvious reasons. Then we add supply chain problems. We add labor shortages. We add just the wackiness that's going on in the world. And these mines that are on the margin, I mean, there's no guarantee these things are coming online, even with that price of uranium. But you have to base your thesis off of something, right? So here's what it, here's what we have. We have a price that's set 50 bucks. We know we need to go uh, essentially towards 90 to $100, okay? That's where the market is likely to need to go to get us to a balanced supply and demand picture, you know, 2025 plus, okay? That's it. But we have this blue sky upside potential that essentially likely will be mostly, if not entirely influenced by financial players. And we now have the perfect vehicle for that to happen. So really, there's really no... There's no ceiling to where the price could go. Now, am I going to say, you know, the price is going to go to $1,300 a pound? No, it, it's just not. Um, and, and I mean, n- nothing would surprise me these days, but, you know, I think realistically, we could easily see $150 to $200 a pound based on the influence from financial speculators that can come into the space and move the, move the price of uranium very easily through the spot vehicle when the risk is on. And the volume, so volume... Volume is going to beget volume, okay? And liquidity is going to beget liquidity. So there's definitely players that are absolutely interested in going long on this thesis and their only options are to buy uh, Cameco, the ETFs and SPUT and especially SPUT in terms of liquidity and they still can't touch it. And we are still uh, 10, 20, $30 million of daily trading volume that will average out over whatever period of time their risk needs dictate, their risk tolerance dictates, they may do they need to see spot trade $50 million a day for uh, at least a month. Maybe that's what their risk tolerance dictates. And that's what, what will allow them to enter this trade. It's not that they're not bullish. It's that the liquidity isn't there. So as the sector grows and as liquidity grows, it will bring in more liquidity and that's the snowball effect that's going to happen, in my opinion. Okay, so all of that is to say, <clears throat> I don't know where the price is going to top out. And if somebody tells you they know, they're full, of, they're full of it, okay? So without knowing where this is going to top out and how long it's going to last, you at least need to have a sense of where we are in that cycle, okay? Are we at the very bottom? No. The very bottom for the price of uranium was $18 a pound in 2016, six years ago is when the you know, five, five and a half years ago is when the price of uranium bottomed, okay? The equities went up and down for a couple of years after that. So the equities bull market, in my opinion, I'm not calling that the March 2020 lows. I'll say December 2020 is really when this sector kicked off, okay? We're not even two years into this cycle. How long could this last? Well, based on the necessity of a sustained price north of 90 to $100 a pound and a lot of contracting that still needs to happen, I still think we are in the early innings. Okay, so I'm going to read just a couple of short sentences here from this chapter. Chapter is titled, uh, The Most Important Thing is Having a Sense of Where We Stand, For Where We Stand. In the world of investing, nothing is as dependable as cycles. 
Fundamentals, psychology, prices, and returns will rise and fall, presenting opportunities to make mistakes or to profit from the mistakes of others. They are the givens. We cannot know how far a trend will go, when it will turn, what will make it turn, or how far things will go in the opposite direction. But I'm confident that every trend will stop sooner or later. Nothing goes on forever. So what can we do about cycles? If we can't know in advance how and when the turns will occur, how can we cope? On this, I am dogmatic. We may never know where we're going, but we'd better have a good idea of where we are. That is, even if we can't predict the timing and extent of cyclical fluctuations, it's essential that we strive to ascertain where we stand in cyclical terms and act accordingly. All right, so on that note, I love to look at that weekly or monthly chart of URA. I love to look at that URA relative to the S&P chart and see absolutely how early we are in that, um, in that relative performance of this sector to the broad market. And that is going to continue, in my opinion. And with all of that said, I think we are still in the early innings here at 50 bucks a pound uranium. This thing has to double. And the fact that SPUT did not get the NYSE listing, in my opinion, makes it a much more healthy and potentially a longer term bull market for uranium. So we don't know exactly where we'll top out. We know where we need to go. We don't know how long this will last, but you have to know where you are in the cycle. Are we in inning one? No, we're not. Are we in inning eight? No, we're not. Okay. We are probably more like two or three at this point. And I would, I would have said we were further along in the cycle six or eight months ago. But um, honestly, the fact that we've pulled back in terms of valuations of the companies while the fundamentals continue to stack up. I mean, I just can't believe the fact that nuclear is being embraced the way it is. It's, it, it, it's, 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 it has my jaw on the floor. Okay. Looking at this sector a few years ago and seeing what's happening now is unbelievable, unbelievable. And I think that's going to affect how far this market goes when it does really kick into gear. And I think it will. And I think that will happen when we have risk come back on generally speaking, and that will happen. But in the meantime, we're going to continue to see this slow trend of money flow coming out of overvalued tech and growth stocks, moving into value, moving into commodities. And I think that while we will see, we will likely see inflation come down from these levels, it's on a year over year print. I think inflation, generally speaking, is going to be here to stay, unfortunately, um, not unfortunately for our investments, but unfortunately just for the cost of living and how, how much that's going to affect um, the lower and middle classes is not, not a pretty picture. All right, I'm going to get off my soapbox. Um, I will see you guys tomorrow. And then, uh, as I mentioned yesterday, tomorrow will be my last market minute for a week. I will be traveling on business. Um, so I will see you again tomorrow. And then after that, it will be uh, Friday the 17th when I'll be back. So take care, be well, keep your eye on the long-term prize. Don't get shaken out. And uh, I will see you tomorrow. Cheers. <laughs>